folks. Gavin Roth here with episode 19 of the Roth Revenue Podcast. This is the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, where I sit with sponsorship marketing leaders to find out their story, their mentors, their insights, and personal and professional development advice. This episode's featured guest is Bart Given, Managing Director of Torque Strategies, a Vancouver-based partnership marketing agency that helps brands create compelling narratives and brings those stories to life through innovative marketing programs. Their clients include HBC, CIBC, DHL, Canada Basketball, Canada Media Fund, HSBC Canada Sevens, and the City of Vancouver, to name a few. We recorded this episode back in January when I visited beautiful Vancouver to do one of my sponsorship sales training workshops. And I felt it was a good time to release it now, since one of the initiatives we discuss, a campaign Torque worked on for Canada Media Fund, has officially launched. Bart has had a truly unique journey from student athlete to sports marketing intern to vice president of baseball operations and assistant general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays to kids sport to a relationship with Andrea Shaw that has led to his role leading Torque Strategies. In this episode, Bart shares some cool stories about the best career advice he received, the transaction he was most proud of as assistant GM of the Blue Jays, that aforementioned campaign Torque helped bring to life for Canada Media Fund, shining a light on the amazing content produced in Canada and by Canadians. Bart talks about his mentors, starting with his mom, and including the late Bobby Maddock, who worked in baseball for over 70 years, including a stint as manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Bart shares a neat little story to illustrate Bobby's pension for challenging your opinions. We discuss the sponsorship initiatives he's most proud of, including helping HBC celebrate Canada's 150th birthday with an ambitious activation to help reestablish the brand as an adventure company. And we wrap with Bart's personal and professional development advice, including bullet journaling and humility. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Roth Revenue Podcast, follow me on LinkedIn, visit Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out RothRevenue.com. The first person I'm sitting with in beautiful Vancouver, which is just always amazing to um, come back to, um, is Bart Given um, of uh, Torque Strategies. Bart, thank you for taking time to sit with me. Thanks for coming, Wes. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, tell uh, the listeners, the millions and millions of listeners, um, a little bit about what uh, Torque does and you know, your, your role. Sure. Uh, Torque is actually, we're approaching our fifth anniversary uh, in about wow. two or three weeks. We launched Torque on the anniversary of, uh, of the uh, Vancouver Games, so right. right around 2014. We we decided to launch Torque because we saw a, a gap in the marketplace. Uh, Torque is part of TTG Canada, and at the time, we were uh, all working under the banner of uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. A legacy agency, which I think you're familiar with, from the Games. Yeah. And uh, we decided that after selling sponsorship for the likes of COC and Whistler Black Home and a variety of other amateur sport and non-sport bodies that we were, we was a gap in the marketplace that we needed to fill. And that was really bringing some of the ideas that we were selling to life and then helping people on the property side or the brand side develop strategy. How do they connect with people? How do they actually deliver what they're trying to deliver through sponsorship? 
And we decided, well, hey, we needed to develop an agency. We need to separate ourselves from the sales side of it mm-hmm. because there was a bit of perceived conflict in the marketplace. So let's let's yep. divide the, the agencies in two and create two separate entities. And, and one team works, uh, and now today under the on TTG Partnerships, works on the sales side, and Torque works on really developing strategy and bringing narrative to life. Nice. And uh, so some of the brands and entities and properties you're working with? We are currently working with the likes of DHL, Hudson's Bay, uh, Hockey Canada, uh, Rugby Canada through the Canada Sevens Partnership, um, Canada Media Fund. Yeah, you were telling me a little bit about that before we jumped on, which sounds fascinating because it's it's something that not everybody would think about, but you gave me a sneak peek at a, a brand spot um, that is fantastic, uh, really, you. Uh, you know, with, with Christopher Plummer voicing it and Jacob. Oh, whoa, 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 oh, sorry, whoa. sorry. Okay. So we'll right, have to, yes, fine. yes, yes, yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me more about that. Uh, you know, the Canada Media Fund is very interesting. I, I think for us, uh, it was a bit of a stretch when we started the project on, on where we were heading as an agency. And I think that what we found as, as time, I mean, let's face it. And you probably talk about this a lot on your podcast and with your clients is that Partnership marketing is special, and I think that there's a special attribute to connecting brands and consumers in an authentic manner, and that's what's missing from a lot of traditional marketing and perhaps some of the still the marketing that are partnership marketing is happening out there. And the Canada Media Fund said they had a similar challenge, but it wasn't in a space that we'd seen before. It was this idea of we are a major funder of Canadian content in this country, mm-hmm. and we don't think Canadians appreciate the quality of Canadian content that's being produced. Mm-hmm. So how do we change that perception? How do we move it forward for the entire industry? On that there's some great Canadian content here. And it's not just uh, content that's that filmed here just exclusively for Canadians. Our content is seen around the world and, and appreciated around the world. Why aren't we waving the flag a little bit yeah. more, so to speak? And if you think about what's filmed here, everything from Deadpool in Vancouver to Handmaid's Tale uh, to great shows that are truly Canadian, like Shit's Creek and Letterkenny, mm-hmm. you know, why aren't we more proud of this? What's your language? What's your language? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, if CBC can say it, I can say it. <laughs> And then, uh, and then you look at obviously the talent that comes with that. You know, directors from Denis Villeneuve and Jean-Marc Vallée and Xavier Dolan out of Quebec. It's like they're producing directors like they used to produce goaltenders in hockey. Yeah. And then actors and Gosling and McAdams and Jacob Tremblay and you know yeah. Christopher Plummer and Donald Sutherland that are still really, really relevant. So why don't we take more credit for? So they said, hey, what are we going to do? So what our task was, and we've been working on it for two years now, is how do we change perception? What are we going to do? So we're going to launch a new brand and mid-February to help change perception of Canadian content. And it's not that, it's just really to inform people that there's a lot of great things happening here. Uh, And I think that it sounds, when I describe it to you at that manner, like that's really distant from what our core mandate is at Torah. Yeah, yeah. It surprised me a little bit, but it was a great surprise to see what you're doing. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that it, 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 you know, if if you just leave it there, then it seems a little bit distant and beyond our core mandate. But for us, we're all about strategy and building partnership and narrative. Mm -hmm. And in this case, we've been able to bring together partners from across the globe, really, to mm. be part of this campaign. So mm. there's traditionally Canadian uh, entities like CBC, Ubisoft, mm-hmm. um, and the gaming sector, because that's a major part of the story as well. Uh, and then also bringing the likes of Disney and Netflix to say, mm-hmm. hey, this is really good for all of us if we share this story. And then you add in the actors and the talent side of it, it becomes really compelling. So. Despite the fact it's a beautiful narrative, and we've got a great creative partner working on it with us in 123 West, um, you know, it's really been about partnership and yeah. bring together all these partners to say, we believe in the greater good here. Yeah. Let's do this. And that's been really fun. And and on that, uh, it makes me a couple thoughts. One was when I saw it, and, and first of all, to alleviate any of your concerns, I'll hang on to this episode until it's released. But um, 
the first thing was how, you know, being proud and saying, hey, let's time to take some credit. And we talked about how the, the 2010 games really were a seminal moment in, in, in giving Canadians a ch- uh, an excuse and, and permission to wave the flag a little bit. And when I saw that piece, I thought uh, that's an extension. And you shared, you know, this stuff wouldn't probably be out there if it wasn't for the 2010 games. No, I don't think this campaign would exist without that. And, yeah. I, and frankly, the Canada Media Fund approached us because of the success of the games yeah. and our relationship with the, there you go. with the Vancouver games because they saw what could happen, whether it's through a torch relay or through you yeah. know, waving the flag, connecting Canadians. They saw what could happen yeah. and that it's okay to wave the flag. Yeah. Now, our approach in this isn't leading with the flag, as you saw on the yeah. spot and, and people will see fairly prominently in, in February. We're not leading with the flag. We're where it's a bit about discovery. And I think mm-hmm. that there's an important part of human nature right now, and maybe index is higher in Canadians, and I don't have the data to back mm-hmm. that up, that we mm-hmm. like to discover that people are Canadians. It's our favorite game. Yes. Did you know they were Canadians? Yes, yes. And I think that's what the spot is intended, is you might not recognize everyone as a Canadian or a production as a Canadian production, but then yeah. you discover, you know what, it, it is. Yeah. And that's yeah. going to be the fun well part. And the other thought was on partnership, and you know, I did a, a earlier episode of the, the podcast with Chris Lang, and it was a big thing theme there of partnerships of achieving much more through partnerships and you and I have both seen it we've been in the in the sponsorship marketing and sports marketing game for years and how you know what an interesting trend is how unlikely partners uh, sometimes even come together and and the property I worked for around the 2010 games was a great example of that with the Olympic Consortium media consortium and you had Bell and Rogers right coming together to jointly bid and figured out a way Um, and you know the old saying right if you want to go go fast go alone if you want to go far go together Mm. and I think a lot of people are embracing that latter part right so if, if we were in this for the long run a maybe partnering and, and, you know, pairing up our competencies. So I really like that. Um, so let's get into it. Um, you know, you've had a great run in sport and sponsorship, partnership marketing. Talk about maybe how you, how you got into the field and some of the neat properties that you've touched. Yeah, my, my route's been a little bit different than most. Uh, I probably I started. Like, I like it when it starts like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, I maybe started in a similar position of many uh, as an intern. And mm-hmm. I started as an intern. I was fortunate to get an internship uh, out of York University. I was taking the Sport of Men program at York. And I was a track athlete there. And Sport of Men was kind of where I, where I wanted to go. Although there was a part of me, and, and some of your listeners might be appreciate that, when I was in high school, people said you'd work in the business of sport. And I almost railed against that. I said, don't, don't put me in a box. I'm yeah, yeah. bigger or smarter, whatever I thought at the time than that. But ultimately, that's what I wanted for my passion light. And they were right. And so Sport of Men was a, was a path that I went. Uh, and got an internship with Bob Nicholson. The Bob Nicholson worked for the Jays and the Argos, not the right. one that works for OEG now. Yeah. Um, and it was working on an NFL exhibition game in 1997. Wow. Packers and the Bills. So that was my first job, uh, and it was working operations on that event. And of course, it was amazing to get an internship there, sure. and then to be embedded into the offices of the time at the Jays and the Argos. Yes. So I got a chance to to soak up this professional sport atmosphere for really three different entities, and see what it could be like. And I got the the best advice I think I've ever been given in my career was as an intern, and mm-hmm. someone said take on whatever they will give you so they never ask you to go home. 
and that's exactly what I did. That's amazing. Um, I, I like I, that. I did stuff in finance if they needed me to do. Yeah. I would do bookkeeping. I would make photocopy. I didn't care. I just made it so that they never told me to go home, and they didn't for twelve years. And, <laughs> and I think that that was the you know from from that. So part. you were an intern for twelve years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, you know, you live in your mom's basement for a long time. No uh, ramen noodles. I, yeah, ramen noodles. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I went took that internship and got to uh, the Argos won the Great Cup that year, so I stayed on working the Great Cup parade, and then the JSC season started. I said to come work in the community relations department, so it just kind of evolved. Yeah. And, and I stayed in marketing for a few years, game entertainment was responsible for the marketing of the Argos, and back to the Jays on the game entertainment side. And then I got an incredible opportunity that I never anticipated, and put my career on uh, on a bit of a, a left turn. And that the uh, baseball ops guys of the Jays asked if I'd join their team and work in uh, team travel. So I'm traveling secretary for the Jays. Yeah. Which, uh, which what, a, is, what a detour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, as a, as yeah. A, but as a 26 year old, someone says, hey, do you want to go travel North America and watch baseball and work with a team? I'm, yeah. Of course I do. Yeah. Why not? Why not? And I did that. And, and I didn't enjoy that job, to be honest with you. It was, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a very, it was a stressful job, but it was also, it was a job that just didn't really light my fire. Mm -hmm. But it was a means to an end for me, again, to say, what can I make out of this? And for me, my opportunity was to actually get into the baseball ops side, more on the yeah. player side. So after a few years of working on that and gradually learning more about the, the uh, trades and transactions in baseball, I got a chance to to ultimately to work in, in baseball administration and start to work on the player side mm. and ultimately be the assistant GM for the Jays for four or five years. And, uh, and that was kind of, which I always job. found fascinating as a, as a, one of the embarrassing vices I still hang on to is my love of fantasy sport mm. and fantasy baseball and base, baseball pools and mm. those basement drafts yeah. when I was younger. And, uh, we all thought of ourselves as those closet, uh, armchair GMs, right? Yeah. You were doing it. Yeah, I was. At a young age. Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was around 30 at the time, yeah. so I was pretty young. Well, that's old by today's by standards. By today's standards, I was going to say that. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was ancient now. Cool. But by then, I mean, I think I was, you know, uh, sure. it's just the way it was. I was lucky, and I, and I, you know, I certainly worked hard, but it was the right place, right time. And, uh, you know, enjoyed that part of it. And, you know, it is, it is, a, it is a very... For people that want to go that side of the business, it's not exactly what you think it is. I would imagine. As it usually turns yeah. out to be, it's particularly in today's day of, of blogs and, and uh, social media. And I was just, I, when I was doing it, was, it was pri our primary antagonist was talk radio and yeah. newspapers. Yes. And now to imagine that, you know, every day, and we were on the front page or the front page of the sports section every day in the season, yeah. and it was good or bad, and you live your life that way. And I can't imagine what it's like for those guys today oh, on social media. Second guessing everything, yeah. right? Yeah. And you, everyone thinks they're an expert, and I think as a fan, what I what I now take into my fandom for whatever you know NFL and same in fantasy yeah. as you is that I I take everything I read with a huge grain of salt because no one really knows the full picture except there you people go. that are in the front office. Well, I, I've been I, I say that a lot, and I, I don't have inside knowledge of it, but the current Jays administration is taking so much heat mm -hmm. and have, and that honeymoon period. Um, you know, quickly wore off, and and I say, listen, these guys are smarter than anybody thinks, right? Come on, right? You don't yep. you don't get to uh, Shapiro and, and Atkins where they are without being smart. They know the game inside and out, and you got they they got to play the long game here. And so you know, I'm I'm one of those who just says, cool your your jets a little bit uh, on that. It's so easy to be a critic, right? Yeah, and I, I don't know uh, Atkins uh, at all. I know Mark a little bit from my time when he was at Cleveland. 
and, and I was at the Jays, and he certainly is a, a, a very brilliant guy. Yeah. Um, and I think that what, what Jays fans, I mean, to go totally off topic right yeah. now, I think that what Jays fans are, are realizing is they're paying a bit of the penalty for the, the playoff years. That's it. And, and you have to They went all that. in. Right? Yeah, they went all in. And Alex went all in. He was looking at a time, and yeah. Alex is a bright guy. And, yeah. Um, I worked with him for a long time, uh, and he knew what he was doing. He said, yeah. this is my chance to go all in. I don't know what my future is going to be here. I want to make the playoffs. And, and I think that anyone as a Jays fan would probably take yeah. that trade. And, yeah. and if they won a World Series, obviously, we would all have, you know, sure. everyone would have been extremely happy. But you know what? There was a few great years of, of in the playoffs and yeah. being for the playoffs that, yeah, I mean, when you sign Russell Martin for that long-term deal, you know that at the back yeah, end, you're going to pay the price at the back end. whiskey on turf, you know those things yeah. are going to happen. So this is what they're facing now. And Absolutely. I think you know, that's the team that they've inherited. They need to make smart decisions now, and no one's going to be perfect. So, so let me ask you before we move off your gig at the Jays, um, uh, a transaction or two that stood out that you you were most proud of or, or were involved in that was interesting. Well, probably the least sexy transaction that anyone will have ever heard of. The one I'm most proud of is because it was my first. It was uh, was uh, signing Scott Downs, a left-handed. Yes, and he had uh, we had uh, looked at some numbers. We had seen him come back. He was coming back from surgery. We saw him start for the Expos at the Dome. He he wasn't good that day, and we just looked at the numbers. We talked to his agent. We felt you know what this guy might be a good left-on-left guy, Mm -hmm. and we'd you know obviously we talked to the scouts, and you know there was some concern about his arm strength and coming back from surgery and what he could do, and we took a flyer on him and signed him the minor leagues. He ended up being you know a really really great reliever yeah. left and right and made a great end of his career for him so it's not the sexiest one I love that I, most I love that well said so Jay's a, uh, AGM mm-hmm. uh, what will take take us from there Where? so um, as things do baseball things get shaken up and I, uh, yeah. I find myself saying looking for the, the next opportunity and and uh, as much as I love baseball I was I was almost at that point looking for something a little bit different and mm-hmm. something a little bit more of a I don't want to say give back, but that was kind of where my mind is. Like, what am I doing next that feels like I'm doing something really that's not just for the, you know, like professional sport. And I ended up in Vancouver working with uh, some not-for-profits and a charity out here in kids sport around the Vancouver Games. Yeah. And trying to find ways to to amplify them and bring a, a team of athletes together to support kids sport because mm. it's so great. I mean, it gives money. If you don't, you're not familiar with it. Uh, kids Sport Canada has lots of, I think, 170 local chapters, and they give money to kids that can't afford to play sport. They give them a season of sport. It's a really noble, that. noble charity. I mean, it's it's direct impact. The money goes directly to the, yeah. the system, and the kids get to play a season of sport. What's wrong with that? So yeah. we're trying to raise awareness around that, and um, and uh, I enjoyed that. I even I actually ambushed the games with Kids Sport. So <laughs> my first interaction with Bill Cooper was a phone call that asked me to cease and desist. <laughs> Um, but it was a cause. It was right? Bill. It was Bill's specialty. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and and he's here in the office. Your colleagues yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, through that experience, I got to meet Andrea. Yeah. Uh, and Andrea and I talked shortly after the games about what she was doing and what I was looking to do. And yeah, we decided that it would be I mean, nice to work together. And she brought me on on the 2010 group side. I love it. Great story. Starts. Great path. Great mm-hmm. path. Um, through that, I've got to believe you have come across some great mentors and people who have helped build you up and given you opportunity. Talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I, I've had met some great people along the way and I'll, I'll give you three. Mm-hmm. One of them might sound cliche, but I think it starts with my mom. And yeah, I, nice. I, it really does. And I, you know, she's That's a single cool. mom that, you know, grew up in a tough time and balancing job and life and, and taught me kind of work ethic and to try to find the positive and to try to find opportunity and to never never give up. So, I mean, that starts there. 
And then at university, actually, I had uh, a woman named Susan Vale, who was the head of the Sport of Men program. And she, she um, you know, my first year in the Sport of Men program was, I was still in party mode and track mode. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily full bore into my education. And she kind of took, pulled me aside and said, this is what you need to do. This is how to leverage it. And she supported me from then on. We're still in touch today, which is nice. You know, she's That's so rare. fantastic. It is. Yeah. yeah. And she built a friendship and, and, uh, but I really look up to her. And then one at the Jays that, you know, probably taught me how to look a little bit differently at the world was a, was a gentleman named Bobby Maddock who passed away. Yes. Uh, brilliant, brilliant guy. He was in baseball for 70 years. And wasn't he one of the early Jays employees? He was, like, he was, yeah, he was one of the early Jays employees. He was a scout. Um, he ended up uh, being the manager for a brief time. I think he was yes. the oldest guy to ever be the uh, a rookie manager in baseball. <laughs> and then he stayed on after that as, you know, kind of a, a player development and scout guru. A lot of people looked up to him. He was a fantastic human being. And, you know, he was a great ball player until he got hurt mm. uh, in, the, in the eye with a baseball. And he mm. was playing with the Cardinals at the time. That's I right. I remember that story. Yeah. So he's a fantastic. And, but he, he had a different approach about him that I'd never experienced before. It was very, very direct and very challenged everything you said and yeah. uh, he had great stories to tell and jokes uh, but there were things that he would do that would just spark you to think a little bit differently or challenge your thought process yeah. and one of the ones that's my favorite that I'll share yes. is uh, he, uh, he would ask me one day we were at lunch we'd go in the spring training we'd go for dinner and lunch quite a bit so you imagine a 25 year old and a, and a, and a 75 year old <laughs> going out for lunch and dinner all the time but I loved I soaked it up yeah. and uh, he, uh, he said to me so what do you think comes first confidence or success Oh boy! So I thought about it. I said, you know, I think uh, I think confidence comes first. And he goes, confidence? How can you have confidence without success? You're out of your mind. <laughs> so I said, okay, great. And he just railed me for you know ten minutes. And I uh, so about a week later, he asked me the same question. I go, oh, man, he forgot these asses. <laughs> so I said, I said, well, success. He goes, what? Success? How can you have success without confidence? <laughs> so it was this game he played with you to yeah. to make you think about both ends of it and. Uh, and it was, you know, that was one. So there was a right, there was a method to it. There was a method to the madness, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I love that, uh, you know, and, and just this makes me think about it's something that I spend a lot of time, takes me to what I'm doing on the training side. And when I talk to um, uh, sellers about um, questioning things, right, and and doing it in a in a compassionate and legitimately interested way, um, but challenging why, right? Asking why. And, and it could apply to when you're negotiating and getting feedback or pushback from a sponsor and respectfully challenging, but also colleagues, right? I've read a couple interesting books. One, um, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, another one called Radical Candor, and they both talk about this notion of healthy conflict, right? Of, of respectfully challenging opinions. And we, we grow if we do that, right? Versus everybody leaving a meeting saying it was a great meeting, but you, you agreed on everything. Well, yeah. come on, right? Yeah. So I really like uh, what you shared there. Um, let's uh, shift to uh, partnership or sponsorship initiatives. Love to hear something you've been involved in that you're proud of or you've admired and a little bit of insight into why. Yeah, I think that the first thing that comes to mind is in our early days, and that was, you know, renewing the Canadian Olympic Committee partnerships following back. I think that was a, you know, a period of time where 
the industry was continuing to evolve into more narrative and pillars and and be able to have a, a piece of a, of, a, of a property as opposed to holistic, that the idea that just having the rings wasn't enough or just having a ring board wasn't enough. Whatever your property was or whatever you were sponsoring, you realized you had to do more with it. Yeah, rights weren't enough. No, yeah, yeah it, it, and it is. And I think Olympic World is is the perfect testing ground for that because not only is it is it not enough, you don't actually get much with it. No. There are no rig boards. There are, is no signage in the stadium. And I think unless you're Visa or Coke where you get indirect business back from the – yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to rationalize for some. So so from that perspective, that process and how long it took and the grind that it was and how we how we we were we were pushed by the Canadian Olympic Committee to think differently. We were pushed by the industry to think differently. Really changed us um, for the for from now from then until now. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun and it was a lot of you know hard work and then to see the reward come in, see the you know see that the partners renewing and renewing at record levels. And it, because everybody thought twenty ten is we were done. peaks yeah. and then everything's downhill and you, you had great success. I followed that. Yeah, yeah, well, that was what we heard. I think exactly yeah. that was that we go to a partner and say, well, listen, we've just given a lot of money to Vanock. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this rights for a couple more years. If that is the pinnacle, what more can we do? And having to convince them that there's more to be done. Mm-hmm. And to see the brands come on and get it and understand it. And, and then to see, you know, again, truly Canadian, to be able to compare ourselves to other organizing committees across the globe and say, sure. wow, we really delivered for the rings and for the country. Yeah. So that part of it, for certainly for for in the early days, was great. And I think most recently for us, we're really proud of the work we did with Hudson's Bay yeah. on around the 150th in the Grand Portage. Yes, yes. It was, uh, it was a fun program, and I think that it's one of those ones that – is a dream opportunity to take the oldest company in North America and have Canada's 150th birthday and develop a concept that that is authentic to Hudson's Bay is as as a retailer but also as a brand mm-hmm. um, and connect Canadians and do something that's great. So to, to raise a million dollars to help complete the Trans Canada Trail, the longest trail in the world, and take the stripes on the road and some ambassadors, it was a tremendous amount of fun and. Um, you know, to see the success from a business side for Hudson's Bay and to see how proud they were of what they what, what they were able to accomplish from a connection and authenticity standpoint, to see yeah. the power of the stripes in the community was fun. And we won a couple of awards, too, which was kind of nice, too. Nice, yeah. um, but, yeah. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, that was just a lot of fun. And, and you know, again, one of those pro- programs takes 18 months to build. Yes. So you're in it for a long time. And yeah. You're, there's a bit of stress to that. that. Yeah. Uh, when you sat much. down with the client, what would they have stated as their few primary goals or what did they want to achieve out of it was it connections was it a certain amount of data collection was it was it engagement uh you know what, what store sales you know, yeah well obviously sales, above, right? Right? i mean yeah a lot of the all of the above i think that i could be a little bit more specific with them in the sense that certainly driving to retail is important for them yeah. as, as a bricks and mortar retail and, and being able to um and for them, they wanted to create a line. They wanted to create a, a merchandise line that would yeah. raise money and, and identify and celebrate with Canada. Mm-hmm. So selling that line was important. Mm-hmm. Um, delivering a great birthday gift to Canada was important. They felt nice. they felt an obligation that they had to give back to Canadians. And I to like Canada. that. Yeah. And, and and although it ended up being a, a one-time gift in that moment, mm-hmm. the idea that our gift is going to provide a legacy for Canadians to enjoy and get out and see all of Canada and have a path that you can, you know, you can go to the mountains, you can go, the, the Trans-Canada Trail runs over from the seawall just over here that you can see yeah. from our office to through the mountains and across the country, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that they would help impact Canadians in the long term. And I think that was fairly self-explanatory, but, but noble that they wanted to give a gift and they wanted to be different. Uh, but also I think what we enjoyed a lot about it is that they said to us, listen, we're an adventure company. Not everyone thinks of us that way anymore. 
you know, we started as an adventure company. Sure. You know, we've, we've been a lot of things to a lot of people, but maybe we've lost a little bit of that in our brand. So can you help, whatever you do, can you help us build that pillar of who we are and amplify that. that? So our focus wasn't to say Hudson's Bay is a great retailer. That was certainly part yeah. of, you know, what it is, but it was our focus to say, hey, Hudson's Bay is a great adventure Love company that. as well. And that was why we came up with this idea of taking a canoe from 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 yeah. the Pacific to the Atlantic and back to Ottawa. Ambitious but brilliant sure. and yeah. on strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, those are those are great. And you know, um, so many other amazing partnership and sponsorship mm. initiatives out there. Has anything caught your eye from a distance that you've admired and maybe a little bit of why it stood out to you? Well, I'm a sucker for a great story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I, I still love the P&G Moms campaign. Uh, it's funny. When you said your first mentor, yeah. I wanted to step in with that. And I love the fact that you just uh, mentioned it. Well, it does tie back together because that's the only time my mom's ever called me with an advertising comment. <laughs> she called me yeah. and said, have you seen this commercial? Yeah. And she was crying. Yeah. And I was not a, a, an Olympic athlete. Yeah. I mean... I got to compete for a long time, but I was never an yeah. athlete, but it's still connected with her, that journey yes. of mom and a single mom. Yeah, or, yeah, for sure. So she, she loved it and she became uh, an advocate for P&G yeah. products because of it. So I love where it started from. I love how it came to life. I've heard various things on the business results of it, yeah. but I don't care as a consumer. I care that they yeah. connected with me as a consumer. I enjoy that giving. The other one that I, that I really, that's more recent and, mm-hmm. um, that you know, I really thought was brilliant was itty bitty ballers. Yes, I thought it was. I crazy. talked about that yesterday yeah. in a workshop I ran. I, I that stood out to me yeah. as a brilliant um, tactic, right? But yeah, it's just a nice connection between yeah. you know bringing. It's so tough sometimes integrating an athlete as a sport team into the brand story, and it, it all just came together beautifully. Made sense. The creative was good. The mm-hmm. thought behind it was good. Apparently the results were great. Yes, uh, and we lost to them in one of our award categories. <laughs> with the Grand Portage last year. Best in show. It didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and um, the SMAs. Yeah, so I mean, it was. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah, um, and I, I'm a big fan of the Raptors and um, and Jonas Valanciunas. It has a personality, and you're seeing that now because mm-hmm. uh, Uber just. Um, signed him on. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the, he's part of, of the new MLSE Uber partnership, and right. he's he's one of the the feature because he's just got a pa- an energy and a uh, a way about him. But that itty bitty ballers, I was joking about it. It's uh, since then, it's almost become like the SI cover curse because the second year it was Norm Powell, right? And he had the worst year of his career, and this year it's CJ Miles, and he's having the worst year of his career. So oh I think, I think, I think uh, the players, uh, the next Raptor they approach is probably going to think twice. <laughs> and, but but Jonas was was perfect for yeah. it. This idea of a seven foot giant making tiny figurines, yeah. And and the way they tied it to a business story of if you want to create a website to move your business and I use GoDaddy for my website um, here's a here's an example in a humorous way but but it delivered results right they sold a bunch of almost makes me think back to the Bud Light days where they they had the songs right with the the guy with the excuses for why he's at the bar missing important Mm -hmm. occasions and they actually came up with a best-selling CD right out of it these unintended consequences almost yeah, and I think that that, you know, um, there's another lesson in that is sometimes it's tough to beat your first idea. Yes. So like for itty bitty ballers, it's tough to replicate the success and the yes. resonance of that. Yeah. And even WestJet, you know, has I was just going to say that. Yeah. I said that yesterday, they, yeah. the Christmas miracle yeah. 
and boy, tough to, to, to each year yeah. come back, right? Yeah. Brilliant. Nice. Um, let's wrap maybe with a couple of, um, of things. One is, um, you know, I, I, I'm a, I've really gotten into the space of, of personal development, personal growth. Um, 2019 to me is going to be a big year of growth for my business, for me, always learning, always reading, always listening. Um, and I love to just talk to people who have had success and just find out the nugget or two of what what perhaps have they attributed their success to? Are there some habits that they that they lean on or that they employ? It's hmm. a good question. I'm always tinkering and on the habit side of things, and certainly on on management side of my own day and schedule. But I still always revert back to pen and paper um, yeah. for managing a lot of what I do. Not that we don't have technology to help, and I I use it mm-hmm. perhaps not to its fullest. But uh, I started. Uh, uh, bullet journaling last year. I enjoy that part of it. I think it's it's a nice, easy system for me to keep track of what's important today and what's important next week and what's yes. important in the future. So I, I like that. It helps me prioritize what I, what I need to tackle in the day. And you do that each day at each the beginning day. of the yeah. day? Yeah. Just bullet the, the, the most salient, most impactful Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little system that they've set up. Yeah. It's simple and it you know allows you to move things forward and, and obviously mark things done, which is always a great feeling. Yeah. But you know, it's a good system that works for me. Good. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing that I'm trying to do more of, uh, I uh, I got the Blinklist app, which I really enjoyed. Okay. It. Yeah. No. It's, it's it's condensed books, and you can flip yeah. through a lot of different. Somebody books. did mention. Okay. Yeah. They, they said it differently. It's funny. I didn't know it was an app, uh, yeah. but they mentioned Blinklist. So, because I'll tell you uh, something after you're done that kind of reminds me of Blinklist and what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think outside of that is just trying to carve out, you know, some time at the end of the day to actually read. Uh, yeah. Real, real, not just condensed books, but read a little bit more, whether it's personal yeah. or for escapism. Yeah. You know, I, I, I enjoy that, so trying to find more ways to do that. Well, I, I tell you about that before I get to what I was going to say. That last point makes me think of this. Like, I've, I've studied some how people learn, and one of the great ways we learn is by stepping out of the space we're in and into completely other territory. Mm-hmm. And it brings this compare and contrast and brings the world we're in back into sharper focus. And this idea of stepping out and escape. Uh, I'm a big fan. I love reading, but I'm ne- I've never been a fan of business books. I yeah. find them very dry, and I love reading novels. And you know what it does? That doesn't necessarily bring my world into focus, but it's good to get away, yeah. right, instead of being burnt out thinking about the same thing all the time. And it makes getting back into your space a little bit more invigorating. Um, so that's that's one thought. The other thought was – because I don't, there's a podcast that's out there that I'm a big fan of called Cut the Crap. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. And it's a Canadian guy uh, from Winnipeg, Ryan Caligiuri. And what he's done is, for those of us who don't like reading business books, he reads a bestseller um, on business, marketing, sales, personal growth, and then has the author on. And they break the book down in five or six golden nuggets. And it's brilliant oh, if you want to just scroll through. And he has a lot of the, you know, Seth Godin and Patrick Lencioni and uh, uh, a bunch of, you know, just fascinating topics. One of them was uh, on, I forget the author, but it's called The Kim Kardashian Principle. And it's a guy who wrote a book that exactly, the, the look you just gave me, we, we all kind of roll our eyes and smirk, but how much 
brands can learn about from what she's done to build <laughs> this sure. empire sure. Uh, through success and failure. And so, and even listening to that, which was off the beaten path, you bring some new fresh thinking to your current world. So uh, a, a tip for the listeners and for you, if you want to just get that kind of Cole's notes on some interesting business and personal growth, yeah. uh, cut the craps, a great one. Um, let's wrap with, um, I, I, I know from my from what I've rolled out already that there are, um, there's a healthy contingent of listeners who, um, who are in the industry, but also those who want to get into the industry and just... I'm sure you've spoken on so many panels uh, over the years, and I'm sure at schools. What kind of uh, maybe some advice for people who want to have a healthy career in this space or get into the space? Uh, I mean, a couple of things come to mind. One of them makes me sound like an old man, uh, a grumpy old man, which perhaps I am in in heart and in truth now. Um, I think that it is enter the industry with some some, uh, humble to you. Yeah. Understand it's a good thing. Yeah. Understand that you haven't necessarily learned it all. Um, similar to being a sport fan, you don't know it all. Yeah. And not to say that you don't have value from day one. Right. Most people do have value from day one. It's how they articulate it and how they make an impact. Well, so I think some people are still too keen to prove themselves without having the whole picture. Mm -hmm. So when I started as an intern, again, this is where the old man part comes in. (laughs) I was quiet as a mouse, Mm -hmm. you know, until I was asked a question. If I was asked a question, I felt like if someone asked me a question on my opinion, then I am free to give my opinion. But I'm not going to barge into a meeting about a player trade and think, voice my opinion Mm -hmm. unless I'm asked on Mm -hmm. it. So there's those type of things that I think are important. And then I think the other piece of it is is be open to new opportunities. What we do now and that we enjoy and we have a passion about now, I don't think was a sexy part of the industry when I was in school. Mm-hmm. When I went to school for sport admin, which is a pretty broad term, um, my goal was to be a sport marketer. But sport marketer didn't necessarily include ticket sales or sponsorship. It was a specific piece of the industry. And, and I think that now there's so much more ways to make an impact in the industry, whether it's sport or music or arts, within this part that is very cool. And you have to see what's next. And I think that I was limiting myself in university by what I thought that the, the industry looked like and what my career could look mm-hmm. like. And if I hadn't taken the chance and get my eyes open to work on the baseball ops side and went to the team travel side of things, yeah. I would have cut out a major part of what I really look back on as great days. Yeah. So being open-minded to... Yeah, you've really walked that walk, right? But I have. And, I, you know, and I, it doesn't come easy. I don't, I'm not yeah. going to say I wasn't. Yeah. Even, you know, it, it as just, you said, you didn't love some of the tangents no. or the, the paths you went down, but it's all learning. You're looking it's at it, yeah. And you make relationships, you meet new people, and... And certainly, I'm not saying you stay in a job for 15 years you don't like. Yeah. But you know, if you take a chance, take a chance. Take a chance. Things. Be be brave. Be bold. Yeah. Great yeah. advice. Um, I'll wrap with uh, what's next. Uh, you've got some interesting things going on. What's what's when you get back to your desk? What are some of the things that uh, Torque's uh, working on short term? We talked about the uh, the CMF. Yeah, the CMF Academy funds is a major piece of it, um, but also we're we're. Uh, you know, a few weeks away from uh, HSBC Canada 7. Yes. Which is, um, you know, an incredible event that we were forced to bid on and bring together with Rugby Canada to, yeah. to Canada and to Vancouver and, and the women's event on the island. And yeah. it's a, uh, if you've never been, it's an incredible event. It is our, it is our stampede, our Just for Laughs in Vancouver. It is love a, it. It is an incredible event that is, wraps the city and lets you escape into an event. Even if you don't love rugby, which I know very little about rugby, to be yeah. full disclosure, yeah. the event itself is 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 an incredible weekend of 
of celebration and, and something you've never seen as a Canadian. Yeah, and and you're talking to a massive rugby fan because I was people may not know I was born in South Africa, which is a, a I came when I was young, so okay, that's why yeah. there's no accent. But I've always retained a massive affinity for all things South African. Very proud of my roots and uh, rugby and cricket, but rugby is. Uh, with the Springboks, and if anybody hasn't seen Invictus, the story of the the '95 World Cup where 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 uh, South Africa uh, won with Nelson Mandela uh, rallying, using the sport and the team to unite the country and beat. Um, I was talking to Bill before you came in. Arguably the greatest franchise in sport history, the New Zealand All Blacks. Mm. Um, those who don't know about them and their success, and here's this, the 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 Springboks beating them in the final, which was just stuff of legend and movies. And guess what? They made a movie out of it. Um, I love the sport. I follow it closely. You guys have an amazing property, and wish you continued success with that. And thank you so much for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. Great to see you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks.